Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. So, hello. It is good to see you this morning. I thank the Lord that you chose to come out and to worship Him. Um, Thank you, Brother Robert. Um, Thank you, choir, musicians. I'm telling you guys, just do a fabulous job, and I appreciate that. Um, As the old fellow used to say, if that worship time doesn't light your fire, your wood must be wet. That's the only thing I can figure, because it's a joy to worship with you and and I counted a privilege that uh, you let me come back and see you. I'm not sure why you do that, but I'm grateful to the Lord for it. And uh, thank you, Lord Jesus. He is good. Amen? Amen. Um, how many of you read Romans chapter 1 this week? Hold your hand up. Okay. I had some takers, not many. Um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the Word of God somewhere along the way, invariably. I mean, hopefully everything we have to say is about the Word of God, but the urgency of it, um, for some reason, this Word has been going through my mind all morning, uh, far too early, earlier than to my liking, but the Word practical has been going through my mind. And I think that somehow we miss the practicality of God's Word. Uh, God's Word is designed to help us, to lead us, to equip us, to inform us. God's Word is the most valuable possession you and I have in Christ, because it is God's Word that, uh, that, that helps us be prepared to live life in a falling world. And that's why, and I think, I think all the time, if, I, if the Lord were ever to let me pastor again, I think I would try to just hammer that home over and over and over. As a child of God, you need to be in the Word of God. And remember what Scripture says? It is profitable. And to not be a student of the Word is to live at a spiritual deficit Because you're not replacing worldly influences and worldly thinking with the holy word of God that is designed to help you live the Christian life. And so I would that you were a student of the word. And don't let the word student scare you because the word of God is practical. I was here some weeks back and I tried to 
share some of that practicality with you. I, I shared a message back there entitled, Three Steps to Unwavering Faith. Some of you may remember that. Most of you maybe have completely forgotten it, but it was a real simple sermon uh, because the Word of God says, do not believe every spirit. That's in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. And so I talked to you about not being gullible. And we can become gullible to the influences of the world. And one of the ways we combat that is by staying in the Word of God. That God might teach us that we might be able to see and we might be able to recognize the lies of Satan. We talked about being smart, remember? Because what it says in the Word of God is every, every person who says that Jesus came in the flesh is of God. And every person who says that Jesus didn't come of the fle- in the flesh is not of God. You don't know that if you don't spend time in God's Word. We talked about being strong. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And then last week I talked to you a little bit about uh, about being equipped for the present. I shared with you four steps to being equipped for the present out of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, you remember, we learned, don't be surprised when people turn away from the faith. Because as we get nearer to the day of the Lord, there will be people who turn their back on Jesus. But remember what John told us over in, what was it? First John chapter 2 and I think verse 19. He said, listen, if they went away from us, they were never of us in the first place. And so we don't need to lament that. Hopefully they'll be saved out there. Maybe we can go share the gospel. But he says, listen up, do not be surprised. And then we talked about being nourished in the word. There's a practicality to the Word of God, and we're to to be nourished in in faith and, and in doctrine, and then to exercise godliness. To live the life that we learn from the Word of God. To put it into practical application. And then to roll our trust over in Him. Simply living our lives for Jesus. There's a practicality to that. And the Word of God is not designed to be confusing to you. It's not designed to be over your head. There are some things that we don't know completely. We know that the day of the Lord is coming and and there's a dozen people who have a dozen different opinions and have written books and all think they're right. But you know what? I'm a pan-millennialist. I believe it'll all pan out in the end. We know God is sending his son again. In the interim, you and I must live faithful lives for him. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about standing strong 
before principalities and powers. And the reality is that these three sermons have some connectedness to them. Because they're all dealing with very similar issues in the sense that we need to be aware of our surroundings. We need to know that the world is not pro-Jesus, that the world is not pro-the church, the world is not pro-Christians. If it's anything, and as that day draws nearer, it will become more and more anti And you and I cannot just kind of sit on our laurels and just kind of wild away the time and say, well, you know, know, God will take care of it. Yeah, he's going to take care of it. It's taken care of. But he does want us to be prepared to live the Christian life in victory. In this passage, beginning in, well, verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. I think it's imperative that we understand that God wants you and me to be strong in Him, to be stable in our faith, to be fortified in our faith walk. He says, finally, brethren, be strong in in the Lord and in the power of His might. Remember, greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We need to abide in His power, in His authority. And then he makes this declaration, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. I wish you would underline that word, that you may be able to stand, meaning be immovable, meaning that you cannot be swayed, that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the schemings of the devil. Remember, he's a liar. If you do not, I'm sorry, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We need to understand something, that the battle is not in the flesh. And, and we have some influence. That's why we have the privilege of voting. But the reality is the battle is a spiritual battle. The battle is for the souls of man. Satan wants nothing more than to see billions of people go to hell for all of eternity. He does not want the good news of Jesus Christ to proclaim, be proclaimed. And so the battle is against principalities and powers. Therefore, look at verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to, pay attention to the word stand, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And then he says, stand therefore having, and then he introduces us to the armor of God. It's really interesting. I'm I'm just going to talk to you briefly about the armor of God. This is one of Paul's prison epistles. This is one of four letters that he wrote from prison in Rome. And it's very likely as he wrote this or dictated it, 
it's very likely that wherever he was being housed as a prisoner, that there was, there was possibly a Roman soldier nearby who could have very well had on his armor or a semblance thereof. And it's really interesting because what he's trying to do is help us understand something of the practicality of taking on God, taking on what God has to offer us, taking on the armor of God. And as I've thought about this, I've thought about several things. This week in the Tri-County, I think we had 130-plus worship services this week. We had some of you, does anybody ever remember World Mission Conferences? A lot of people don't remember those things. We're just silly enough to do those things where, where we serve. We had 35 missionaries from all over the world. And it was really cool. And for the first time, I invited a military chaplain to come because they're connected with the North American Mission Board. As he would say, it's not your SBC cooperative program dollars that pay my salary. It's your IRS cooperative program dollars that pays his salary. I thought that was kind of funny. But we were talking about armor. And if you think about it, and I don't want you to miss this. If you think about it, military and people in in uh, law enforcement don't armor when they go into the field. They put the armor on when they're going into harm's way. And there's something that we must not miss here, and that is that as long as God gives you breath on the face of this earth as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in harm's way. OB. And so this is not armor that you just picked up selectively. Oh, I'm going out on visitation tonight to witness. I better put my armor on. Oh, I'm going offshore where people aren't necessarily in love with Jesus all the time. There's a bunch of them out there that are. I better put my armor on. What the, the picture here is that you and I live encased in the armor of God. And so he says there in uh, verse 13... Therefore, take up the armor of God. Verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist in truth. What did Jesus say about himself? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to the Father except by me. The truth of God. Jesus is the truth. He is the way of truth. He is the provision of holy God into your life and mine. And so we need to know what we believe. We need to be, we need to be standing firm in the truth of God's word. I hope that you understand that. What did he say over in John chapter 8 and verse 32? He said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
If we are going to combat the lies of the world, we must be anchored in the truth of God's Word. Listen, we live in a world, and I've probably alluded to this before, but we live in a world that we think that if some actor or actress or some musician or some talking head on television says it, then it must be true. If it's on the internet, it's got to be true, huh? But we need to realize that there is a liar and a deceiver out there that is endeavoring to cloud the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word, the truth of the reality of the existence of God, to cloud your mind toward that, that you would become friendly with the ways of the world and that you would not be obedient to the ways of God. And so that waist belt of truth was foundational to a soldier. And we must embrace the truth of God. We must embrace the teachings of God. We must, we must make that a part of our life where we're drinking in His truth. Again, the Bible teaches us that the deceiver is a liar. He is the opposite of truth. But then he says in verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with, waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Listen, this is practical. This is not meant to be hard or difficult. That we are to embrace the truth, Jesus Christ crucified, victorious over sin and death. I am the way, the truth that gospel reality. But then he talks about the breastplate of righteousness, armor. Can I tell you something? Righteousness is practical, lived out truth in your life and mine. Righteousness is doing the right thing. I was talking to a young man yesterday, and, and I was reminded in talking to him of Proverbs 24, 3 and 4. I think two or three years ago, I probably preached that message to you. And it says, through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding the house is put in order. And through knowledge, the rooms are filled with pleasant and precious riches. And I was saying to him, listen, we've got to pray for wisdom. We've got to pray for understanding. We've got to pray for knowledge. Wisdom is knowing the right thing to do. Understanding is doing the right thing. And knowledge is doing wisdom and understanding over and over and over. And it is there that we dwell in the presence of God. It is there that we dwell in His will. It is there that we live our life surrendered wholly and fully to Him. It is there that righteousness becomes a protectiveness for us against the wiles of the devil. It, it protects us from the temptation of sin, of rebellion against holy God. There's a reason that we're called to righteousness because the opposite of that is sinfulness. And if we're going to embrace, embrace the truth, if we're going to embrace Jesus Christ with all of our heart, soul, and mind, 
then righteousness must permeate everything that we are. Because then we give evidence of transformed living. And so he says, take on that righteousness. If you know the right thing to do, do it. It's not rocket science. If you know that he calls you to obedience, then do that. And then he says in verse 15, he says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I love that. And again, the the picture is, in fact, they would have some sort of a leg uh, from their knee down. and, And oftentimes they would have spikes driven through on the bottom of their shoes for good traction. And, and I don't, if you look at soldiers boots, they have, they're really good for traction. I believe I've never, well, the ones I had a hundred years ago were slick. But shod your feet in the gospel that gives peace. You do understand something. That there is no peace aside from holy God. There is no peace aside from the gospel. And so he's saying, listen, walk, abide in that gospel truth. Let that be the constant in your life. Don't waver. Don't, and and we've talked about it. You know, there's no such thing as any way you can get to heaven. It's fine as long as you get there because that's a lie. It's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ. He's the only way. There's no other name given among men by which you must be saved. And and listen, that is a peace and a joy and a fullness that you and I need to know in the very depths of our soul. It's not hope so, it's no so. And so he's saying, be shot in the reality of the gospel of peace. Listen, it's that peace. Isn't it a good thing that when people come and say, I just want to know why you know, why you seem to be at peace in life? It's because Jesus Christ. And so that, that's where we live. That's where, that's where we walk. If you are wishy-washy considering the gospel, you are armorless. You are without armor. We must stand firmly on the assurance of the gospel. Acts 4.12, nor is there any salvation in any other. For there is no other name given among men by which you must be saved. You either believe that or you don't. If you don't, you've yielded to the lies of the evil one. You have succumbed to the principalities and powers. The gospel is who we are. The gospel is our identity. The gospel is Jesus, and Jesus is the gospel. Do you believe that? There and there alone in the gospel can man find peace. 
in verse 16, he says, above all. Some translations may say, above all else. And he's not trumping what's been said so far. He's just accentuating the urgency. He says, above all else, the shield of faith. And I love that picture because the shield is a defensive tool. You see something coming at you, you hold it up. They would have their arm through it. And, but you see something come. From the, you need to be able to deflect the fiery darts. He refers to that as to shield, uh, the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The picture there is that they would have these, these small arrows and that, that were lit on the end. And, and it could, if it hit a man, could inflict pretty desperate pain. Or it could burn stuff down, depending on where it landed. But the, the, the point is faith. It is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is faith in, in his provision in God the Holy Spirit in our life. It is faith that his word is true. And that's what we stand on. Think about Jesus in the temptation. What did he respond in, in, in like to, to Satan? He spoke the word of God. That's why we need to have word, the Word of God in our hearts and lives. Isaiah 41.10, Fear thou not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do you understand that when we get the word in us and we don't get the word in us accidentally, we have to spend time in the word. If I could influence you, I'd have every one of you between now and the end of the year, every week, read 1 John in its entirety. 20, 25 minutes a week. Because the word of God will find root in your heart. And you'll begin to draw from it. And you won't feel like you're struggling. You won't feel like, I just, I don't know whether to turn to the left or the right. If you just plant the word of God in your heart over and over and over again, it begins to come alive in you. And it begins to feed you. And it begins to fortify you. And you begin to draw upon it. It adds to your faith. It is true, faith is the unwavering belief in Jesus. It is our faith that looks to Jesus in every stead of life. It is faith that seeks his heart, that seeks his face, that seeks his will. It is faith that is in a relationship with holy God through his son. And it is faith that fortifies us in times of struggle.
faith is a defensive weapon. It is faith that helps us to reject doubt or sin or to quit. One of my favorite verses, and if you hold your finger right there and just turn to 1 John, listen, (laughs) the Word of God is just so awesome. Look down there at 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. The Word of God, faith serves as our unwavering assurance from which we cannot be blown off course. That's why we have to be student of the Word. And then he talks about the helmet of salvation. Look what it says there in verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, or rather the helmet of salvation. I like that. It's protective. It's protective on our head. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 calls it the hope of salvation. It protects the mind. It protects the will. To protect the mind is to directly affect the will. That's why, what is it, Romans 12 and verse 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We must protect our mind. We must control what we let in. And we need to fortify it with the truth of God's Word. You either know Him or you don't. If you know Him, keep that firm. Keep it immovable. Be unyielding in your consciousness. Have the mind of Christ. And then the latter part of that verse, very simply, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. There you go. (laughs) The Word of God. Thank you, Lord. The Word of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. There's not a time that you can pick up God's Word and be wasting your time. I hope that you understand the urgency of being a student of the Word of God. I sound like a broken record when it comes to that because I am a broken record when it comes to that. Because you can't sit in church 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But hopefully... You have a copy of God's Word, and you can set aside time to spend time in His truth. We need the Word of God. He finishes in that next verse talking about prayer. In fact, he says there, praying always 
in prayer. I like praying always in prayer. Praying always in prayer. So the idea there is that you need to go home and build a prayer closet. And you need to crawl up in there and seal yourself in and pray always in prayer and never come out. No, that's not the picture. But it is a picture of passing every sensory awareness that we have through holy God. In fact, it's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. Those three very simple but powerful words. Pray without ceasing. God wants you and me to be in constant fellowship with him. And listen, there was a time in my life I didn't get this. I was just in a time where I was figuring out what it meant to be a Christian. And I had a a pastor at the time that was really helping me understand what it meant to be a Christian. And I remember one day, I got up in the morning and I showered and got dressed and I went to work and I took a break at lunchtime and I was journeying through the afternoon, and I don't know, 4, 4, 35 o'clock, it was almost like a light came on. And this is, this is what I said. I'm just being transparent. I said, oh, hey, Lord, how are you? And I realized in that moment that I had journeyed through my entire day, and I had not given God a second thought And the reality of it is that I'm not the only person that's ever done that. And the truth, there's many of you that only give God a thought is when your back is against the wall. When your wife has given you an ultimatum. The only time you really tune in to God is when you need. And that's not a relationship. He wants you to walk with him, fellowship with him, abide in him, cry out to him. That every breath includes God. God, what do I do with that thought? How would you have me to act? That's a relationship that he wants us to have. Why would we even do that? It's pretty simple. Because God the Holy Spirit who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And and this armor is not just a casual as needed armor. In fact, in modern day terminology, we could call it active wear. And we need to step into it. I'm glad it's invisible, but it shouldn't be for long because we can even sleep in it. And the question is, what best represents your standing in the Lord? What best represents your faith walk in the Lord? 
Are you the way I once was? God was just an afterthought. And then you come to this marvelous realization that when I open this word, I'm hearing from the creator of the heavens of the earth and the earth, the sustainer. And he says he loves me. And he says he loves you. And he says to you and me, come unto me, all ye who are weary, and I'll give you rest. And so, truth is the way of life. Righteousness is a way of life. The gospel of peace is a way of life. Faith is a way of life. Salvation is a way of life. Do you get that? The Word of God is a way of life. Prayer is a way of life. It is who we are to be in Christ. Are you? And the truth is, you got to start at the start. And that is, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. And there's no guarantee that everybody in this room has believed on him. Would you like to have that hope? Would you like to have that peace? The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of his glory. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That means eternal darkness and separation from holy God. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you can be saved. And do you need salvation today? I invite you to come. But for you who are in Christ and you know that you know that you know that you know, are you standing firmly in him? Are you withstanding the fiery darts of the devil. Sometimes we've got to just empty ourselves out and say, God, here am I. Take my life. Are you there? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Father, that you love us. We thank you for your holy word. Oh, God, we ask that uh, you would speak to our lives. That if there's an urgency in our life to trust Christ as Savior, to surrender every facet of our will to you, to live in the armor instead of living armorless and being influenced and dictated to by the world. I pray, God, that you would forgive us and that we would endeavor to believe you and to believe you alone, to give the very life, the very breath (laughs) that you give us back to you. 
that you would do something through us to your glory and to our good. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.